0: Welcome to the Curation and Maddiness Join the Dots podcast. My name is Nick Jardine. I am Chief Content Officer at Curation. I'm here with Eleanor Winton, who is the founder of Foresightfully. Eleanor, thank you very much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Great to be here.
0: Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and and, and, and what you do?
1: Sure. So uh, I guess I would probably describe myself as a, a strategy and innovation consultant, but really specializing in strategic foresight, so in other words, you know, understanding what the future holds and really um, thinking about innovative strategies to drive value from that ever-changing uh, future picture. Um, and most often I'm working with leadership teams uh, of businesses in any sector, in any industry, and just helping them to do that thinking uh, and that bit of planning.
0: Excellent. Well, o- o- on the subject of thinking and planning, um, today is the, the, the Join the Dots podcast, what does that mean? What are we talking about when we talk about joining the dots?
1: I, I love the fact that you've used that term, "join the dots," because it's one of the things that we see go wrong very often in business. You know, the way that we design businesses is very kind of silo-driven. Um, so often, our thinking is disconnected, and as a result, we don't think about the consequences of some of the decisions that we're making and the, the very connected consequences of, of those decisions. So, yeah, connect, uh, connected thinking is very important both in terms of understanding the interplay between the trends and issues that we need to be concerned. About, But also fundamentally understanding the consequences of our decisions beyond those first level consequences. You know, the world that we live in now is deeply interconnected. So we all need to connect the dots much more frequently and more capably.
0: Great. And and I think it's probably worth stressing that, that, you know, curation is a a company that that primarily um, focuses on sustainability and, and, and ESG factors. You know, we're speaking with some other people on the Join the Dots podcast who are talking about social factors and environmental Mm -hmm. factors and and, and governance factors. Maybe it's just worth giving a quick overview of what we we mean when we kind of talk about ESG. It's an often cited acronym, but if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, do you want to just give them a a quick kind of...
1: Sure. Synopsis
0: about, about about what that means.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, this is about um, environmental, social, and governance standards, really. Um, traditionally that's been about assessing investments, but, but increasingly it's becoming a mainstream mechanism for assessing organizations' performance. You know, there's non-financial measures. And you know, we are in a really interesting moment. You know, for the first time, we've got um st- uh, stakeholder capitalism metrics, which we're starting to measure against. We've got sustainable development goals, we've got all sorts of Global um, tools and measures and and uh, frameworks that we can now apply to the way that organisations operate. So it's a really important time to be thinking about ESG, not just from the point of view of those categories of issue, but in terms of how what we do as leaders and in businesses can shape the future around those issues as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you, you hinted at it there, but you know, one of the questions I had is why are we why are we having this conversation? Today, you know, why, why does this? Why does this? Firstly, on a broad level, why does this matter? Yeah. And secondly, why does this? Why does this matter now? You
1: know, were at a really interesting point, aren't we, where we flipped from quite a passive way of looking at the future. You know, I've been, I've been doing futures consulting for about ten years, um, mm. and really, uh, it, it is quite a passive process for many businesses because it's about looking at a, 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 a period of time that's far away, uh, that feels quite remote, and then building plans towards that. And I think what the pandemic has shown us is that. Things that we don't expect can happen very quickly. Uh, Even when we've planned for them, we still don't really expect them to happen. So Mm -hmm. they they happen quickly. The impacts that they have are well beyond anything that we could have understood, not just on the core issue that they're connected to, but everything about the way that we live and work and operate and all all of those things. So, So I think that has created a bit of mental clarity and proximity for a lot of people listening to this podcast business leaders but but you and i people on the street too about the fact that we we need to flip into a kind of more of a design and active mode about the future you know we Mm We, we know that we've got this kind of limited period of time. You know, 2030 is our time frame to implement the Sustainable Development Goals. That's a big ask. But also to uh, limit climate change to 1.5, or limit te- global warming to 1.5 degrees. So there's a lot to do in a short amount of time. Unless we have a, a plan and a strategy for that, there's absolutely no way that we're going to get there. And so so here we are at a time when ESG really offers us some of the answer to that. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think the, the idea of a lot to do in a short amount of time is, mm. is, is it really kind of, Hits the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I've, I've I've been you know, looking at, at ESG one way or the other with curation for for close to yeah. five years now, mm-hmm. um, and one thing that's really struck me recently is, is is how not just the amount of awareness is increasing around it, but the kind of the pace of change is so much quicker today than it was five years ago. So so, so five years ago, if we had you know organisations that were saying you know we we've heard about integrating esg factors into the way that we operate Mm -hmm. Um, and and we know that we need to do it today we've got people that are saying we've done this Mm -hmm. but we're not sure that we've done it the right way
1: yeah
0: and 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 there's this idea that even if you have adopted these they're going to increasingly be scrutinized you're going to increasingly yeah the the rules are increasingly changing Mm. um I don't know. Yeah, you know, as 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 someone who's who's in the line of, mm-hmm. of work that you are and and looking at businesses and future consulting, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but certainly, kind of anecdotally, that's that's what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you, Nick. You know, it's um, you made the point really well. It's a sort of an increased curiosity about what's out there to do, but also you're exactly right. Increased pressure not just from you know we talk about esg in investing investors are not the only stakeholders who are asking these questions you know it's it's your customer it's your employee it's your investor it's your supplier it's your partner you know so so we we, we've really moved from this being something that sat in the investment world into something that that needs to factor into all corporate decision making and i agree with you i mean i'm interested from your perspective what would be maybe one of the big accelerations that you've seen in 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 this space that that might give a good example. I
0: mean, I think I think that that a great example is is when you look at net zero plans. Yeah. And yeah. And, and and certainly, so so I think there's a, there's a few things where you can see kind of how fast this is moving. Mm. Firstly, you know, five years ago, having a net zero plan for 2050 yeah. was seen as taking <laughs> quite a big step forward. Um, nowadays, when you're saying okay, we're going to be net zero to, to 2050, mm. some people might say, well, why 2050? Why not 2040? They yeah. might say, well. That's all very well and good, saying that you've got this date in the future where you're going to be net zero. But we also want to see where you'll be at you know, in 2030 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or where you'll be in, 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 in 2025. Yeah. Um, and then how, how are you going to get there? Mm-hmm. And so I think that even and this is, I think, a real kind of remarkable example of how the pace of changes has mm-hmm. happened. I think probably two years ago, maybe kind of pre-pandemic days saying, OK, we're going to rely on carbon capture technology, yeah. which is not kind of commercially viable yeah. right now, and carbon offsets to get there, was kind of kind of not necessarily blanketly mm. accepted, but people would kind of nod and say, OK, of course, I understand how that's going to get you to net zero emissions. I think what you're seeing now is real scrutiny of yes, those plants.
1: Yeah. You know, so
0: so if you're relying on offsets, how are you guaranteeing that those offsets are actually going to do what they say they're mm. going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're relying on offsets and your competitors relying on offsets and your other competitors relying on offsets, where are all of these going to come from? You know, there's yeah. only so much land we have, there's only so many projects that can support this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we know that they're not being double counted? Yeah. You know, if you're relying yeah. on the technology are you are you hoping that that technology comes online in the future and that you're able to use it, or if you're a big enough company, are you investing in that technology? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think one one area that's really interesting to look at is companies that don't necessarily or that you don't necessarily associate with environmental technology mm-hmm. actually putting capital towards that yeah um yeah. a good example payment company Stripe, for example, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago said that they would set aside some cash to invest in startups that were exploring this, and so this recognition that actually it 's not just about a number on a page in the future but mm-hmm. um, but it 's about the journey that you have to get there and about the expectation that that journey is going to be heavily heavily scrutinized yeah I think that 's a real example of of, of how we 've kind of come a long way in it's the past a, five years. It's a
1: brilliant example, you know, and, and you're so right, the decision-making responsibility that sits with leaders around that is huge, isn't it? Because the, you know, the, the it's fraught with misinformation, it's fraught with people trying to make a quick buck. It's it's a really challenging problem for leaders, but, it, but it's also a huge opportunity to do things very quickly. But it's interesting to me, you know, I, sp- I spent the early part of my career investigating fraud and it, it does seem like this is an area where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there might be a growing, a burgeoning industry in fraud investigation too, you know. Well,
0: well that, that's actually a great kind of segue because obviously we're we're joining the dots, mm. and, and what I've mm. talked about just then with net zero plans is is is, is very much a the the E and ESG. It's a very yes. environmental. Yeah. So, you know, the fraud aspect is very much a G in yeah, the ESG absolutely. and the governance. So, mm. yeah, you know, I just kind of wonder what what, what you're seeing and, and whether that's something that is on companies' radars when you're having conversations.
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure it is really on people's radars quite yet. I think everyone's still trying to get their head around even making a plan, let alone choosing the right vendor and all of those things. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's going to be such a pressure on due diligence around that. But but at the same time, as companies are really grappling with how do they report on their own performance, mm-hmm. you know, and potentially extra costs in, in doing that. But of course, again, what we've got to remember, joining the dots, is that, you know, it, the short term way of looking at this is, Increased cost, increased difficulty, increased confusion, yeah. increased complexity. The long-term uh, way of looking at it is increased value that we can deliver to all of our stakeholders, increased legitimacy to operate, all of those critical things that we need to have sustainable businesses. So really important to get it right.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that one, one thing that you know, we, we kind of look at and, 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 and hear kind of again anecdotally and in, and in reports is, mm-hmm. t- to your point, just kind of how, how daunting this can be. Yep. You know, it's 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 for for many people, it's the beginning of the journey, um, and many people will say, "Okay, I, I do want to be net zero, but I don't I don't know how I'm going to get there." Mm. And if I've got a stakeholder, be that an investor or be that one of my employees, mm. um, you know, w- which is a real, you know, real kind of driving force behind a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I I don't quite know how to how to demonstrate you know, that I'm making progress towards a goal that mm. is so far in the future mm. and, 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 and so much can change between now and then.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, I guess my question is, and, and, and again, mm. from your kind of experience, How? What? What is the best way of kind of getting getting off the ground with this? Yeah. How do How do you make that start?
1: Yeah. I think. I mean, you you described it really well, actually. So it's really important to go forward to come back. You know, when we're when we're looking to the future, and one of the most helpful techniques, you know, I would really advise everyone to use is to is to you know. Very often, when we think about the future, we think from the inside out rather than from the outside in. So we've got to flip that perspective. You know. Definitely, don't start to think about where you want to be based on where you are now. I think the, the more helpful way to look at it is to say, looking out into the future, you know, let, let's use 2030 as that time frame as a start point because this is, you know, we've got a big deadline mm-hmm. <laughs> globally as a global community, as humanity, we've got a deadline around 2030 and, and keeping uh, 1.5 alive. As we as we're now yeah. calling it. So, if we take 2030 as that time frame, then create a vision uh, of where you want your business to be. In that time frame you know but but take account of some of those externalities that we've been talking about those environmental and social factors political factors all the rest of it create a vision of where you want to be set some targets and then work backwards and understand what are the what are the kind of um the markers along that journey because particularly if you're able to visualize that journey that's a really helpful way to focus minds around the scale of the challenge but it's also a really helpful way to break the challenge down we all know whether it's our personal lives or our business lives that if we if we're faced with a challenge that seems huge and daunting our tendency is to to Put our heads down and ignore it. <laughs> yes. And so, um, thinking about a vision, looking forward, and then tracking backwards is just a is just a, is a really helpful way to break down and understand the elements of the problem, and then start to make progress towards the goals that you set yourself. Really helpful tool. Great. And and
0: again, in the in the spirit of kind of joining the dots, you mm-hmm. know, one the, the the last letter in the acronym that yeah. we that we haven't <laughs> yeah. uh, addressed yet is um is is the S. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, obviously, there are, and, and as we've seen over the over the past couple of years, there, there are enormous social concerns that that, mm. that, that you know, the corporates have adopted and 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 have made a lot of noise about. Mm. You know, again, over 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 the past couple of years, the pandemic has also, I thought, brought you know, brought brought some of those, um, yeah. those, those 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 social concerns to light as well. Mm. How does that fit in with, with with the other parts of this equation? You know, yeah. from, from, from a corporate point of view.
1: Well, these are all connected, right? I mean, I guess for me, there are two two big things I would raise under the, under the S, but that are so influenced by the other factors, and that are so influential on the other the other factors. So, uh, there, I think it's helpful to think about trust and inequality as two big social factors that we mm-hmm. that we all need to be considering in decision making, regardless of what kind of business we are, what, what we do, what se- sector we sit in. Um, So we we know on on inequality, we know from uh, previous pandemics that pandemics tend to cause inequality to worsen um, for all the reasons that we are that we're seeing now. Mm. And we now know, of course, at this stage in our own this global pandemic. That actually inequality has worsened the richer have got much richer you know the uh the the one percent wealth mm-hmm. has almost doubled um as a result of the pandemic where the 99 percent of the rest of the population have got poorer so uh, if, wherever there's inequality there is there tends to follow social unrest, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's a problem for doing business. That doesn't create an, a good environment to innovate or try different things or try to bring people along with you. So we need to think about our, our, the impact of our actions on inequality first of all, mm-hmm. uh, and secondly, we need to think about trust. So and again, those are in, you know those are very much linked. Um, but but trust, we know from Edelman's data again this year. You know, I know that Curation you'll be following this every every yep. year anyway. The barometer when it comes out at Davos. Again, this year, we know that, you know, trust is on this continuing downslide globally, but actually that trust in some of the key institutions that we need to make change, you know, government, for example, um, is very low. Uh, But trust in businesses at the moment is the highest of the four categories of institutions that they survey. So business has a real platform to drive change around all of this stuff. Um, And it may feel that you know, if you're uh, in a business, you know, whether you're in a bank or whether you're um, in FMCG, it's easy to feel that some of the social issues are actually disconnected. But, but if we are looking at a view of, of stakeholder capitalism, we're thinking about our customers, we're thinking about our employees, we're thinking about the way that our societies operate, mm-hmm. absolutely critical to, to take those um, front and centre in the decisions that you're making. And that's why, I mean, that's why ESG is so powerful, because it forces us to think about those things together.
0: So earlier when we were talking about how businesses can, can, can get their kind of efforts in ESG integration off the ground, you were talking about how it can be an initial cost, an initial outlay. Um, but what's kind of the cost of, of, of not doing this? In, in other words, how do you kind of get over this attitude that this is a burden and, mm-hmm. and, and look at it more as an addition to your business?
1: Listen, I think, you know, there's something that we all need to get into our heads at this point in time, which is that short term thinking creates long term problems. <laughs> We've got lots and lots of evidence of that. Um, and so so here we are with the opportunity to think long term and some great framing and assistance in how to do that and what to think about. You know, this is a great moment <laughs> to do that. The other thing I would say is, you know, if you can either think about it now uh, when you've got the opportunity to innovate, to lead, to engage customers, to do it in a really positive way, or you can think about it later when you the regulator is, you know, slapping your wrists for the yeah. violations and then you're being investigated, you know? So yeah. it's um, it's a clear, I mean, I mean you, you know this, uh, and you'll have seen lots of examples of that short-term thinking, creating problems in the work that you do at curation. So, um, you know, it's, it's it's a clear choice, do it now for, for to build value or do it later because value is being eroded because you haven't done it. Uh, and that's the simple choice. Yeah, I
0: think that's, that's an ex- excellent point for businesses. And then something that I think that year is really, you know, a lot of people should just be taking to heart right now. <laughs> um, Eleanor, thank you so much for, for, for joining me My this pleasure. afternoon. Again, this has been the uh, Curation and Maddiness Join the Dots podcast. Um, I'm Nick Jardine, the Chief Content Officer Curation, um, and I've been joined by Eleanor Winter, founder of Foresightfully. And thank you so much for joining.
1: My pleasure.